Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers on Christmas Eve at home kept on rolling towards their showdown with the Detroit Lions in Week 17 for the NFC North, this time dispatching the Minnesota Vikings 38-25. to And before we get into the specifics of this game, uh, Matt got an opportunity late last week not only to attend the game uh, with his wife, but also to have a a luxury box spot. And Matt, I've never had that privilege, and uh, it was a big game, but I'm really curious to hear all the details as to uh, how that experience was like, especially in a big rivalry game late in the season. Yeah, us lowly folk don't usually get to sit up in the press box. So was, I didn't know if I'd ever get that opportunity. It was really cool, though, because um, I was a little afraid you'd kind of be disconnected and you wouldn't be able to you know, hear the crowd and everything. But luckily, the people in our booth were kind of on my page and wanted to open up the glass in the booth. So it was basically just like sitting in the stands, but then you've got all the free booze and, and food that you want. So, And not having a you know a big, fat, drunk guy infringing on your space next to you. You have like, your own theater seats and stuff. So. It was, I mean, it was just the same as sitting in the stadium, but with all of the, the modern luxuries. So although I do love sitting in the bleachers and probably would be the way I'd go normally, this is pretty cool. So will it be hard to go back to the bleachers after that? Maybe maybe a little bit. <laughs> maybe a little bit. I, 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 I love sitting down there. It's just when you get that bad person next to you, which you and I have experienced plenty of times when we've been there, too. You always seem to get that just obliterant, drunk, 50-year-old guy. But Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, the bleachers are good too, though. I you can't complain either way. I also wanted to ask if they did anything differently that uh, being Christmas Eve. Um, you've been there plenty of other times for just regular occasions. Was there anything different about it being a Christmas Eve game? Um, not especially. I mean, they had all the Packers on the the jumbotron, like saying "Merry Christmas" and stuff, and wishing "Merry Christmas." And they had like uh, before they did the rollout the battle the barrel at the end of the third quarter, they had. A, gathered up all the Santas in the stadium and had them like dancing around on a balcony, but that was pretty much it. Oh, that's kind of fun, I guess. Well, it wasn't a very merry start to the weekend for the Vikings as their plane landed at the Appleton International Airport, which is, for us here in Appleton, is always a little bit of a fun joke because I think in order to get the international title, it's one uh, flight to Toronto every month, I think, is what uh, gets Appleton the international um, part and the airport. But uh, it's a great place, and it was really rough weather here on Saturday. And the Vikings, I believe, landed safely, but then when they were trying to get towed, somehow it came disconnected, and they slid a little bit, and it caused a bit of an emergency. So I I don't believe the Vikings even got to their hotel until late at night, and then they had to play a a 12 o'clock game. So I don't think it would have changed the outcome, but um, I felt as bad as I possibly could for the Vikings. Yeah, not too bad, I guess, because you, you <laughs> yeah. just kind of, when I heard that, you know, when we were listening to the radio on the way down, kind of fist pumping for the, the people who didn't get them off the plane for three hours, and they didn't get to their <laughs> hotel till 10.30, and you just imagine how early those guys get up to, to prep for the game, so not getting in till 10.30, and an NFL player who's all about routine and getting their sleep and stuff, that's got to at least throw you a little bit. I, I agree, it didn't make the difference in the game, but it couldn't help. And... I heard the Vikings speculate that this could have been some gamesmanship. Uh, Believe me, that Appleton Airport, um, I actually know a person who uh, works there and is a part of the crew that helps 
get stuff off the plane and things like that. And believe me, the the treatment of the NFL teams is of the utmost importance to that airport, and they like having the NFL teams come there. And so they try their absolute hardest to make sure that uh, they have a good experience. So maybe they won't believe me if they heard that, but uh, they probably should not be so conspiratorial and think that had anything to do with it. Right. Uh, but let's talk about the game, because once they reached the field, the Green Bay Packers sliced and diced the Minnesota Vikings' once-vaunted defense, and on many different fronts is how odd this season has been. The Packers have now won five in a row after a 4-6 and six start. The Minnesota Vikings have now dropped, what, eight of their last ten after a 5-0 and oh start and became... Um, just the, I had the, the stats last week. I, I don't have them in front of me, but it's a rare feat for a team to start 5-0 and or better and not make the playoffs. And they have a chance to become the first team in um, the history of the league since the merger to start 5-0 and or better and finish the season with a losing record um, when they play the Bears next week. But um, not so surprised that the Packers won and not necessarily surprised that the offense played so well considering what they've done the last month and a half. But isn't it amazing that this offense, with almost the exact same personnel, couldn't move the ball at all against the Minnesota Vikings in Week 2, and then in Week 16 move the ball seemingly at will? Yeah, it was incredible. I, to see you know Jordy step up like that and Rodgers step up like that was was great to see. And I think I, I got a little worried before the game when they were talking about the Colts game and how Harrison Smith had been out and that he was going to play this game. I was like, oh, I, that could, I mean, we've seen the difference that like Earl Thomas being out makes on a Seahawks defense. And um, you don't see them, even though they haven't been as good, they hadn't gotten crushed like they had in Indy when he was out. So I thought that was going to make a difference, but it made zero difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and our receivers, who we've talked about the last few weeks, they were the most criticized unit on the team. And all of a sudden, they're just ripping apart secondaries <laughs> and one that people think is pretty good and a pretty mm-hmm. good front seven on on top of that. Um, I mean, they, they stopped us at not being able to run, but they couldn't stop our passing game to save their lives. Yeah, and that's without Randall Cobb in the lineup, who was a late scratch. And the I don't know if you had a chance to hear with the holidays, but there was a report that came out that was actually confirmed by the Vikings that uh, Mike Zimmer's plan was to have Xavier Rhodes shadow Jordy Nelson for the entire game. And Xavier Rhodes implied that he himself made the call with influence from the rest of the secondary to not do that because they had been able to handle him um, earlier in the season and in other years. And then Jordy Nelson had 150 yards and two touchdowns by halftime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, obviously, we saw the difference between Jordy Nelson earlier in the year and now, and we've clearly seen that. But I, I think that kind of goes along with how much this receiving core has been underestimated. And Jordy, really, his whole career has been underestimated, especially his speed and things. Um, very sneaky speed, you might say, for somebody like that. Yeah, it um, reminds me of uh, Fred Bolitnikoff in that regard. <laughs> but I mean, but it's the truth. I mean, I think a lot of people t- uh, underestimate his speed, and they always have. And so I, th- I think you look at him and you're like, oh, we can't. We can stop Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson, no problem. So just, you know, if he's on Terrence Newman's side, just leave him. But that was obviously a mistake mm-hmm. And when it was other guys lined up on him. And even whatever, Xavier Rhodes, when, if he was on him, I don't think that made much of a difference. I'd have to go back and watch the tape. But yeah, um, I, I don't know. It it's kind of goes in line with what people think of this whole receiving core and that they're kind of changing people's minds. And I, it 
it was awesome to torch that secondary. Yeah, and what an epic Pro Bowl snub for Jordy Nelson. Now 91 catches, 1,191 yards receiving, and leading the NFL with 14 touchdown grabs. He is far and away exceeded statistically the other NFC Pro Bowl receivers, and Jordy Nelson doesn't go as a first vote. He is a alternate, but uh, wow, you would... To me, that's shocking. He plays for a very marquee franchise. He has, uh, he's, he's got a very famous past. He's been around for a long time. He's a Super Bowl hero. How the heck did he not get into the Pro Bowl? Yeah, I, I do agree with that, but it's it's been sort of a weird 14-touchdown season for him, except for, you know, really the last couple of weeks. Even when he was producing, I mean, he didn't look really as athletic. He was catching some touchdown passes. I think really, as of late, he's starting to look like that elite receiver again, and I think the numbers are coming to fruition more. I don't know. It was it was kind of a sneaky, quiet season, too. You would think when people go on and vote for the Pro Bowl, they look at the numbers, and he leads in a lot of those categories. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, maybe it's because they had such a bad stretch and weren't on national TV for a while, I guess. I don't know. But it, it was kind of a sneaky, great season. That's a fair point because he's got five 100-yard receiving games, and three of them are in December. And uh, actually the one game when he didn't have 100 yards receiving was against Seattle, and he had two touchdown catches. So um, a lot of what he has done has been late in the season. But you'd think you'd get a benefit of the doubt of a guy who tore his ACL was near the top, the whole league in touchdown catches, that you'd get in over some of these other guys, like Larry Fitzgerald, who has about the same numbers and is playing on a team that's abysmal. But but I guess the Packers were abysmal at midseason, too. So um, it's arguably not that important, but if we're talking about individual accolades, the talk now is very much changing towards Aaron Rodgers being the MVP. And he was lights out on Saturday, 28 of 38, 347 yards, four touchdowns, 136.6 passer rating, and he also had a highlight reel-worthy touchdown run where he juked out a defender. And so, Matt, if the Packers are able to beat Detroit and Rodgers plays somewhat competently and uh, plays anywhere close to how he has the rest of December, um, do you think his odds are strong that he's going to be the MVP for the third time? Yeah, I think so. I, it's weird because it's such a kind of a weak MVP candidate field. You don't maybe expect Rodgers, who had a stretch of a, you know almost an early half of a season to, to not play that great, that he'd be here now, but he's played so well as of late. You just kind of get the feeling that in a year where everything's so tight and there's not a clear cut, you might you know, since he's won a couple in the past, you might see him give it to a guy like Matt Ryan or something who hasn't won it before, or Zeke Elliott or something like that. Yeah, it always kind of seems the way voting works. But he's—I mean, if he if he balls out against Detroit, seals the division, and maybe you see you know a couple guys, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady, not you know, they don't even necessarily need their games as much, have quieter weeks and things. Yeah, I think you could definitely see it. Well, and to kind of contrast the point you made, we've seen in the past with Peyton Manning and. Um, I guess he's probably the the most specific example and and maybe some other times throughout history that if there's sort of a weak MVP field that they'll just by default give it to a guy that they know is good where I, sure. I you could make an argument that two of Peyton's five could have gone to someone else and they just say eh, it's you know whatever Peyton he he played pretty well this year. Let's give it to him, and maybe that would be the case with Rodgers as well. Um, and if he doesn't get it, I you know maybe that'll give him even more of a chip on his shoulder going into the playoffs if they happen to do that. Yeah, <laughs> whatever it takes. I mean, uh, MVPs are, are are cool and everything, but that lasts for so little time. I mean, you don't look back on any of these seasons and remember like 
Oh, remember when Rodgers was the MVP that year, or Favre was the MVP? I mean, that means very little to us as fans, I think, other than like the one day when you hear it and pump your fist. What? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, it, does, it doesn't make much of a difference to me. We know he's great, and he's come back, and he's looking awesome. So if he wins it or not, whatever, but he's playing great. You mean you didn't buy an Aaron Rodgers 2011 MVP hat and shirt? No? I, I didn't, did you? No, no, nobody did. Um, I, I couldn't, I don't know, if, I mean, farms <laughs> are easy, but I don't need, other than the one you just mentioned, I don't know, if Rodgers has a second MVP, correct? Yeah, it was in 2014. Yeah, I don't even remember the years. That, that makes sense and that lines up. But, I mean, Favre's were easy because they were all in a row. But, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, I guess that, to me, means very little. Yeah, and, and I would agree. I think it's nice to kind of build those accolades for him. And it, it would be cool to have him and Favre both end with three. But, you know, who knows? If he gets three, I want him to get four, five, and six. But Right. Um, yeah, he's already Hall of Famer. He's already won a Super Bowl. I mean, those kind of things don't mean much, I guess, at this point in his career. Unless you're, of course, if he's, you know, just really wants to pass Favre or whoever else. But whatever. Yeah, I, I guess it would be cool to have. You're always rooting for your guys, but uh, ultimately we'll just see what happens. And if they give it to Matt Ryan or somebody, I think that certainly would be warranted as well. Also, Herm Edwards today, when uh, I was watching ESPN, they said, overreaction or not, uh, Aaron Rodgers should be the MVP. And he said that's an overreaction because quarterbacks get it too much, which to me shows that he doesn't value quarterbacks very much, uh, as it showed during his time as coach, and that's why he's <laughs> probably predicting games rather than coaching in them these days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he always, I always hear him mention how if he had a quarterback, he'd still be coaching. But uh, I think he had his chance with probably like five, six, seven quarterbacks, and just none of them <laughs> happened to be any good under his tutelage. Yeah, that's a miracle. It must not be his fault and just the, yeah. the GM for sure. The defense still scares me, and I know they gave up much of their yardage and points in uh, garbage time, but they still gave up to uh, Adam Thalen in the first half at a, about exactly what Jordy Nelson had with 150 yards. And while the front seven, uh, I think, is okay, that run defense isn't as dominant, but the pass rush is definitely better, especially with Clay Matthews coming on. But that secondary, even as they get healthy, still doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence. And luckily for the Packers, there's not a whole lot of devastating offenses that'll be uh, in the playoffs, but... It, it scares you in a in a game on the road against Detroit, and then uh, thinking about a matchup, their first two playoff games could very easily be the Giants and the Falcons, which would be a very difficult challenge with a suspect secondary. Yeah, I, I really think they got lucky facing the offense they faced on, on Saturday morning, too. It's just... Just watching that game, and maybe it was just accentuated being in the stadium. And you texted me though, and you mentioned it as well. It looked like the Vikings receiver just had ten yards of cushion whenever they wanted. And really, those first few series, they just kept marching down the field, and they just happened to make a play at the end to force a field goal or a punt at midfield. They just yeah until they started, you know, giving up all of those points in the in the fourth quarter. They didn't look that good either. On top of it, it was just a big play here and a big play there by Clay or or whoever. So I. I don't know. I'm I'm still terrified of this defense. But like you said, you know the offenses offenses you have left in the playoffs aren't exactly terrifying. So if you can at least just you know put up some points, you still have a shot with this defense. I think. Yeah, I think in terms of Saturday, the biggest play of the game was easily Clay Matthews' strip sack right before halftime that allowed the yeah. Packers to double up because you could easily see where the way the Minnesota was moving the ball, that they go down the field and score, and then they get the second-half kickoff and score again and either have the lead or a tie game or, or a really close one- or two-point game. And Clay Matthews strip sacks uh, Sam Bradford, Aaron Rodgers takes him down the field and basically breaks their will and goes up 28-13 at halftime. And um, 
it's awesome on Clay Matthews' part, and he played awesome on Saturday, and that's certainly encouraging. But on the flip side, ugh, if if you don't get those turnovers, what kind of a what kind of a challenge are you going to put against Julio Jones and uh, OBJ and and those guys? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I, but I think seeing Clay flash like that was big big sign for the Packers because I, I really think that without him making a factor your defense is just not good enough to win a championship and having him at his prime which it looked like he was in that game is obviously a big big factor mm-hmm. so I, I guess maybe that's the difference that you need but I don't, I don't know against those guys it seems more like the Packers are more devastated by good number two receivers but like Adam Thielen or Marvin Jones or something like that it seems like they can yeah. kind of handle the 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 really good not that they face a lot of great ones but they just get gashed by these good twos yeah um detroit earlier this year didn't they hold a yeah, golden tape yeah, marvin jones that's who it was he or was marvin like jones yeah sorry sorry well. i i get him and the other who sanu mixed up for some reason because they both played for the Bengals back then um but yeah same deal so let's talk about those lines because i just did it and a lot of people have glossed over the lions repeatedly and are talking like the Packers are just going to waltz into Ford Field and take the division without much resistance. And we know that Matt Stafford's hurt. He's about all they have. They don't have a lot of other things on the team that scare them. But this is the biggest game probably in the history of Ford Field. And this is the team they probably want to play in that scenario. And um, I'm not so sure that the Packers are just going to go in there and take this one. Right, and I think just kind of how I felt before even the, this last week's round of games, I feel pretty much the same that this game is basically a toss-up. I think you give the Packers a slight edge, but being that it's in Detroit, I think that basically evens out. You know, I don't like their, our defense against them unless, of course, Matt Ryan, or I'm sorry, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford is still a little banged up. I think that could be, you know, a big factor in this game, clearly. And Theo Riddick being banged up and not playing in last week could be big, too. I'm not sure if he's playing tonight. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, basically, those two guys have been their entire offense all year. We've seen a lot of Lions games, and it feels like if Theo Riddick's not playing, their offense doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It, it's, a, it's a scary, scary game. I guess maybe we can just pray that the, the Redskins lose to the Giant before that game, and yeah. then we kind of know our, our fate's almost sealed at that point. Well, and that's the only way at this point that the Packers could cl- clinch a playoff spot without beating the Lions, and that's if the uh, Redskins lose to the Giants, as you mentioned. And from what I was looking at, I don't believe there will be anything on the line for the Giants, even in terms of playoff positioning. So um, Eli Manning always plays a little bit, and Ben McAdoo being a young coach perhaps keeps everybody in there to try try to keep the pedal to the metal, especially since maybe the Giants have a history of being hot and going into the playoffs and tearing things up, so maybe they want to keep that momentum. And, of course, Ben McAdoo was on the staff of the Green Bay Packers in 2010 when they did the same thing, so you can hope that perhaps he's trying to uh, do a favor to his old franchise and uh, uh, maybe win, but uh, I don't know. I I feel like the Redskins are probably going to win that game, so it's all or nothing, uh, likely on Sunday Night Football for the Packers. Right. But we shall see. Um, We'll see what happens with the Lions tonight in what is essentially a meaningless game with the Cowboys. They could clinch, I believe, tonight, though. So Detroit will likely be playing their starters the entire game. So um, you certainly don't hope on a human level that anybody gets banged up. But the Lions definitely have to be careful with a roster that's already banged up in a big game in just uh, six days from now. Mm Mm-hmm. 
the AFC playoff picture on the flip side is all but decided. There's a lot of jockeying that can be done for positioning, but the six teams that will be in the playoffs have been determined. The Patriots have won the AFC East. The Texans ugh, have won the AFC South. The Raiders and Chiefs have both clinched. Yesterday, the Steelers won the AFC North, and the Miami Dolphins are your wildcard team out of the AFC East. And so, this is one sorry-looking AFC field, and now you have... Uh, Derek Carr, who broke his leg and is out for the year. You have Ryan Tannehill, who tore his ACL and is out for the year. Really, it's Pittsburgh or New England, I think, at this point. And to me, you feel like Pittsburgh's going to have a hiccup somewhere. And I I don't even know why you play the playoffs, because the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it sure seems that way. I, Pittsburgh, I mean, that game last night, I got to listen to it on the radio at least. That was pretty amazing, that Steelers-Ravens game. Yeah, my um, DVR didn't tape it, so I didn't get a chance to... Uh, yeah, but it's there's such a weird team this year, and they have been where it just seems like this offense all of a sudden can get stymied and put up nothing. But you're always afraid that they could explode on anybody. So I guess if you see them in, in New England play, it'll be in New England. But I think you give them somewhat of a shot. Kansas City, I mean, do you, it's they're tough. I mean, could they do it? I think they they maybe could. But you're right. I not in New England. Within, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't pick anybody within a touchdown of the Pats at this point. I don't think. No, I would agree, and yeah, I, I think the Steelers are the only chance because they could maybe match them score for score, but uh, I, I don't think even with Carr that the Raiders would have been a real legitimate threat this year to beat New England, but you just, I, I feel terrible for, for Derek Carr and that team with what a role they were on, and then to have him break his leg on such a weird play is just, that sucked. Yeah. Um, and it sucked for Mariota, too, even though they were losing to... The whole league needs to band together to get, keep the Houston Texans out of the playoffs, and they never have a decent quarterback. Frickin' Tom Savage is going to get a quarter uh, start in the playoffs. This is it, it could be Matt Moore against Tom Savage in the first round of the playoffs. How gross is that? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I just went, I was going through the playoff machine while you were talking there, and I was just kind of predicting the games as I suspected they were going to happen. And what I have is um, Houston as the four seed playing against Oakland as the five seed. So you get even worse than that. Gloin <laughs> versus Savage. That's not even a cool uniform matchup. Then no. Ugh. Yeah, I think the only thing that could salvage this AFC wild card round if it's if it's Chiefs, Dolphins, Steelers, Texans, and they all wear '90s throwbacks. Yeah, I, I could live with that. Um, the NFL really needs to step in. This is an emergency. Yeah, let's at least get Oilers, Chiefs, or something <laughs> rather, than, rather than having to watch the Texans. Exactly. Um, but looking at that AFC field to me makes me even more anxious about the Packers Lions game because. The Packers would be coming from the wild card round, but the NFC playoff field isn't that great. This is just one of those weird years. And if the Packers got in even more than 2014 and more than last year, the Packers legitimately have a chance to win a championship if they got in. But they there there's almost no wiggle room. They have to beat the Lions on the road. And even if they're the Lions and people think it's going to be easy, uh, like I said, I mean, Detroit has probably been waiting for a moment like this for a long, long time. And then last year to lose the way they did on a Hail Mary, um, they are going to be as fired up as they are capable of being. And on Sunday Night Football to boot, I, I'm expecting this to, well, I think they had one last year and maybe one in 2012 but this has to be one of the only one of the few Sunday night games in the history of Ford Field um the Packers 
cannot come out sluggish. They have to come out the way they've come out the last three weeks and just tear them down right away and keep their foot on the pedal because otherwise they're going to lose this game. Yeah, you, you said it, though, about the playoff push here. I mean, you look at this NFC playoff picture, and I mean, just picture even three years ago, even last year, I mean, it was either this Packer team is good, they're never going to be better than San Francisco or Seattle for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' career. I mean, that's what we felt. Yeah. And then even last year, it just seemed Carolina, well, Carolina just supplanted the 49ers as that team, and these two teams are going to be around forever. How are we ever going to beat those defenses? And all of a sudden, you seem to have this path where it's not easy, but it's much easier than you would have expected it to ever be. I mean, the Cardinals are gone, the Seahawks are hemorrhaging, there's no 49ers, there's no Panthers. I mean, you get a potential playoff field that has Atlanta, Dallas, Detroit, New York, and then this uh, kind of a poor Seattle team. Yeah, uh, You couldn't have pictured anything better than this. So it's um, it's going to be a big game, <laughs> needless to say. Well, and perhaps that plays to the Packers' advantage because their coach and their quarterback um, and you know a, a team laden with veterans – they probably realize that as much as we do, and this is not like 2013 where, wow, it'll be fun to win the playoffs and then you, or win, win and get into the playoffs against the Bears and then you have to go play all of these Carolina and San Francisco and Seattle and you probably don't have a great chance. Whereas this one, it's gotta be clear to guys who have been around, Rogers, Nelson, you know, Cobb even, and certainly the coaching staff that this is a clear path to another championship if you take care of your own business. And so uh, maybe that will make them be a little bit more uh, clearly focused than a team that's just uh, trying to extend their streak of consecutive playoff appearances. Yeah, I mean, you definitely hope that you can take a franchise and these players, with both teams having absolutely everything on the line, you hope you you would bet probably on the Packers and these veterans to, to understand that and you know us at our, our very best to be hopefully better than them at their very best. Yeah, you sure hope so, and that seems to have been how it's played out over the years, so hopefully that happens one more time uh, this coming Sunday. And I just wanted to point out the oddity that we're playing Detroit again for the division, and this will be the fourth straight year that the Packers have played for the division title in Week 17. They played the Vikings in the final game of the 2012 season when the Vikings uh, had were playing for their playoff lives in 2012 when they were a 3 and 13 team in 2011. The Lions were 6 and 10 in 2010 and then the Packers played them in the last game of the season miraculously become an 11 win team or a 10 win team and the Bears were garbage in 2009 and then in 2010 they get scheduled to play the Packers in the final game of the season and they're the number 2 seed in the NFC. So if the 3 and 13 or 4 and 12 Bears get scheduled to play the Packers in Week 17 next year, they will miraculously get 12 wins, and the Packers will be in a dogfight again. Yeah, when you looked at the schedule this year, I was positive that this would not happen again, that this would not be the game that decided the division, at least not the head-to-head matchup. I mean, maybe Minnesota's fighting for you know an 11th win or something like that. I, I just I don't know how this Detroit team team has done it, and when you watch them, they're not super convincing, but they've put the wins on the board, so you can't argue against it. So, uh, mm-hmm. It's been a weird year for them, too, and I, I think all of us, when Calvin Johnson retired, expected this team to go into the cellar. Yeah, and uh, they've won the close games, though, which is, that tends to not be sustainable. The team that win the teams that win a whole bunch of close games tend to come back to the pack the next year. And so we'll see what happens long-term without Calvin Johnson, without any really big explosive weapons. But yeah, this year it's been, they've been a scrappy bunch, so you got to give it to them, but hopefully it's not enough to beat the Packers on Sunday. 
All right, let's real quick. Uh, we're we're going to have a short show today because we're all still um, having our holiday hangover a little bit here and uh, definitely want to enjoy some of the things going on. So um, you probably don't want to spend all night listening to us either. So real quick, all games are on Sunday, January 1st, the first day of 2017, which to me, 2017 still sounds like it's five years from now. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a real futuristic sounding year. Uh, but real quick, let's hammer through these games. The Patriots at Dolphins. Um, don't think much can come out of this except the Patriots. Uh, oh, the Patriots would clinch the number one seed in the AFC with a win at Miami. They've lost to Miami in Miami the last two years. Will that happen three years in a row? Um, no, I don't believe so. I think Miami's locked in. New England's basically locked in as the one seed uh, already. But I, I kind of like Garoppolo and the Patriots if that's what it comes down to. I just really, <laughs> I don't buy into this Miami team at all. I guess so. I'll keep picking against them. I'll go Pats here. Yeah, that's a good point. Even without Tom Brady, they have. Um, if it is Garoppolo, then he he torched Miami earlier this season, so um, he he may be able to do it again. Uh, Jags Colts. This game means nothing. Um, yeah, I, I guess you got to go Colts, right? Colts. Yeah, I'll go with them as well. Even though the Jags showed some fight with um, Billy Mumphrey or whoever the heck's their uh, interim coach last week. Yeah, it's got to make Gus Bradley feel just great, right? <laughs> I'm sure, sitting on the couch watching that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Panthers at Tampa Bay. Tampa, if they win and then get a whole lot of help, um, they can go to the playoffs. I think their situation is very similar to the 2006 Packers where they need a whole bunch of games to go their way in order to beat the Packers uh, or Lions strength of victory tiebreaker. Yeah, that's a weird tiebreaker. You should go look that up if you haven't already because it, it's got like a bunch of AFC head-to-head games in it too that somehow factor into the tiebreaker. It's a weird scenario. Yeah. Um, but, but you would think a Tampa team with everything to play for at least still having a chance. Uh, I'll go with them. Yeah, Carolina, I thought, had a chance to upset Atlanta on Saturday, and they, they look like they're pretty much done at this point. Yeah. So um, I think they got up to play Washington to stick it to Josh Norman, but they're pretty much done for this year. And and the, So I'll pick Tampa, and the talk is Ron Rivera is in the mix to potentially be the Rams coach, too. Why do you keep? I keep hearing all that stuff. Why would anybody want to go there? Like it seems like all these coaches, like Sean Payton, might be interested. I don't get maybe just to live in L.A. Why everybody seems to be interested in this Rams job. I yeah, and I can't tell if it's genuine interest or if ESPN's just trying to create a story, but I had the exact same thought. Who the hell would want to coach that uh, group of bums that they've got down there right now? Yeah, and it's not like it looks like your number one overall quarterback is any good. He, I mean, he definitely still has an opportunity, but he looks pretty poor so far this year. So I, I don't know what the upside to that would be. And you're still, what, a year or two away from the new stadium? So it's not like... Uh they're trying to start anew with a with a new plan to go in the stadium. You could easily get fired between now and then if they right. stink up the joint, which is very likely. Uh, Bears at Vikings. Will the Bears make the Vikings the first ever team to lose uh, or have a losing season after starting five and zero? Yeah, I'm picking the Bears here. I, it's got to be a big letdown for the Vikings to lose that game against us. They're completely out. The Bears have been out for a while. They've been playing pretty good, I guess. So yeah, um, I'll pick them. Um, I'm going to stick with Minnesota. I could definitely see the upset, but um, I don't know. I I guess I was impressed enough with the Minnesota offense that they'll probably be able to sleepwalk through a win with over the Bears at home. The Browns at Steelers. Uh, first things first. The Browns. Are you happy that they are not going to go 0 and 16? Yeah, I am. I think you got to feel good for those guys, and I'm very very surprised that you looked at this as one of the games they could have potentially won but i did not see that happening i, I cannot believe san diego allowed that to happen um so way to go browns 
<laughs> yeah, I would agree. I I didn't want them to go 0 and 16, and even when it happened to the Lions, um, it it's not all that great to see. That just you kind of feel bad for them a little bit. It's much more fun to have the Lions be the only yeah, one though. Better. Yeah, much much better. Um, I think Pittsburgh, even with backups, beats the Browns pretty easily. Yeah, agreed. The Bills at Jets, two teams that uh, came into this year with high hopes, and they both came crashing down. Yeah, um, I'll roll with the Bills here. The Jets are just getting blown up by everybody now, and the Bills are pretty good, and potentially, you know, maybe half the guys want Rex out, maybe half don't, I don't know, but they're at least playing for something, it feels like. Yeah, I would agree, and if you want to discuss these two coaches, which, as ludicrous as it sounds, that Todd Bowles could be on the hot seat, I think there's even more, um, surprisingly, evidence that he maybe should be the guy to go out of these two because his team quit about three weeks ago and Rex's team is still playing really hard so I will take especially going back to New York again I'll take the Bills to beat the Jets and um, I think Rex is more likely to get fired but maybe Todd Bowles is the one that should get fired yeah it's hard to believe after two years when he was the the big time hot coordinator that he'd be out but it's been so bad this year that it's hard to almost imagine him coming back again. And it's just, it's not just the poor play on the field, but all this Sheldon Richards and stuff and all these off the field things you keep hearing about. It just seems like it's chaos in that locker room. Yeah, exactly. And that's usually a sign to move on. The Ravens, who were eliminated yesterday, taking on my Super Bowl pick, the Bengals. I think they still have a chance. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad for Steve Smith, though. He had such a good game last night, and now he's going to be retiring and not making the playoffs. Um, it's kind of a bummer. I'd much rather see a team like Baltimore in the playoffs rather than you know Oakland at this point or Miami or or, yeah. or Houston. And so, um, may, one last good win, one last big game for Steve Smith and the Ravens win. You keep building up that game from yesterday that I never saw. Now I just feel real bad about that. Darn! <laughs> it was amazing even to listen to on the radio. You really missed out. Yeah, uh, well, I'm sure I can find it somewhere. Um, I will take the Bengals just at home. I'm not sure why, but I hope your scenario happens because Steve Smith has been uh, one of each of our favorite players for a long, long time, and uh, if this is it for him, um, I'll be a little sad about that, and I'll be ready for it, but he's, he's playing so well, it'd be nice to see him do it one more time. The Cowboys uh, at the Eagles, and that game will mean nothing for Dallas. Um, I will pick the Cowboys because Philadelphia has played they they played okay. They beat the Giants the other day, but they've been pretty bad down the backstretch and and really since September. And uh, if Tony Romo gets a chance to get in, I'm sure that the rest of the team will rally around to try to get him a win. Yeah, I agree. You'd like you'd like to think that the Eagles could be backups, but when that's Tony Romo and some guys who want to play for him, I don't really see it either. I'll pick the Cowboys. Yeah, Alfred Morris too as the halfback in the yeah, backups. That's not situation. bad. No, that's not bad at all. A game that would have potentially been flexed to Sunday night, but is now completely meaningless, the Texans at the Matt Castle-led Titans. Um, do the Texans even have anything like seeding to play for? They can't get a bye, so this is pretty much a meaningless game for them, isn't it? Um, I think they would need Pittsburgh to lose at home to Cleveland. Okay. Uh, um, let's say Houston's nine and six. I, I can't do the tiebreakers right here. If you still got that playoff machine open and want to know that bad, you could mess around no, it's with okay. it. This game is pointless, but I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll pick the tights, I guess, for whatever reason. Um, I wouldn't pick Matt has uh, Matt Hasselbeck. Matt, I would pick Matt Hasselbeck with the Titans over Matt Castle with the Titans at this point. So um, I'm going to pick Houston because I have. I don't think Matt Castle could beat uh, one of the teams playing in a bowl game today. Uh, I switched my tab here. The Chiefs traveling to San Diego to play the Chargers. Do we even um, Man, it's hard to pick the Chargers after they lose to the Browns, but um, uh, I, I'm going to go Chiefs here. 
Yeah, I'll agree. San Diego is um, – th- that's another team that might have given up on their head coach a little bit. They, they always play everybody tough, but yeah. I don't know. You, it's been a few years now since they went to the playoffs with Mike McCoy, so maybe you got to change it. The Raiders at Broncos. Um, Trevor Simeon probably playing for his future as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and I think his future may already be done as a starter, at least. He'll probably hang around the league for a little while, but I, I'm going to go Broncos here, though. Yeah, I'm going to go Broncos as well. That's that's what I meant if I didn't say it, because they're probably going to go with um, uh, Paxton Lynch next year. But uh, what do you think about the, the Broncos? Are they? Are, do you think they have a chance to uh, sustain being one of the good teams in the NFL, or are they in trouble here? Yeah, I think for sure. If you had a couple of pieces, maybe Paxton Lynch is decent at all, or if you can at least get somebody in there. But, I mean, the quarterback play, to be so poor with those good receivers uh, and some other weapons, but it's just that offensive line has been just terrible, and the quarterback play has been really bad. Yeah, I think if you could just add a couple of pieces, they're definitely still there. That defense is mostly intact still. Yeah, but you wonder how many of those contracts are coming up soon, because that was built largely through free agency. Right. Um, but we'll see. The Seahawks traveling out to San Francisco to play the 49ers. A, a Seattle win and a Falcons loss, and Seattle would become the two seed. Uh, will they take care of their part of that equation? I guess so. I mean, they just lost to the Cardinals. Uh, the Seattle team is so weird. I don't know what to expect. I mean, they could get hot and just blow everybody out, or they could just flounder and score three points in their first game, too. You never know in the playoffs. But I'll go with them in this game. Yeah, I will too, because uh, even though the Cardinals aren't very good, the 49ers are much, much, much worse, Uh, so I'll take them. Uh, Chip Kelly gone after this year? I don't think so. Why would you hire a guy? I mean, you know that team's going to be bad. Why would you hire a guy if you're you know, willing to fire him after a year if it goes this way? I would hope not. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. The Cardinals at the Rams. I will take the Cardinals. Yep, same here. The Saints at Falcons. If Atlanta wins, they're the two seed. Um, I will take the Falcons. Yep, I will too. I think they get it done. The Giants at the Redskins. If Washington win or wins, I believe they're in. Um, depending if Detroit loses tonight, um, if Detroit wins, then I think the Redskins would need to win and for the Packers to lose to get to the playoffs. But either way, uh, as far as this podcast is concerned, if the Redskins lose, then the Packers clinch the playoffs before they take the field against Detroit. Um, are they going to win Washington? Yeah, I, I don't foresee that, I guess. I mean, it's at home. New York's already in. You would think that Washington comes to the occasion and wins that game. I'll pick the. I'll pick Washington. Yeah, I will as well. If this were in the Meadowlands, then maybe there was a chance, but I don't see them laying a huge egg at home. All right, and then the big one, the Green Bay Packers at Ford Field against the Detroit Lions. Uh, who do you got? I, I, I'm going to go with the Packers here. Um, and I, I think even as a trying to be unbiased I think I probably would too I just think this defense has a pretty good opportunity to hold that offense down to not much so I and I, I don't I'm not really scared of that Lions defense that much that you don't expect Rodgers to do what he's been doing lately and put up you know 28 plus points so I, I will pick the Packers to win yeah what you said there um is kind of influencing my pick a, a bit because I, I was debating whether or not I was going to pick the Lions all day and I'm, I'm very uh, nervous about this game and definitely see a way that the Packers could lose it. But if I were not a fan of the Packers and didn't have that anxi- anxiety, I think 
I would pick the Packers without much hesitation. So I'll try to separate myself from what I want to happen and just try to be as impartial as possible. And in that case, I think the Packers would win. Yeah, I, I think with you know just how Rodgers has been playing lately, I think that that is what you're expecting. And I don't think if he plays that way, there's no way Matt Stafford can match that. Really, I mean, he just doesn't have the weapons around him, or even you know if he's banged up, or even has the talent himself to do that. And I, I still don't, I don't even know head to head if you pick the Packers or the Lions defense over the Packers defense, it's kind of a wash, anyways. There, so yeah, um, I don't know. I just I just can't see them outscoring our offense. And even as you said, maybe the defenses as a whole are somewhat similar, but the Packers have much more star power and guys who could transcend kind of that mediocrity and make some big plays when you need them. Right. Okay, so we're both picking the Packers. Uh, real quick before we sign off, it the college football playoff will be taking place between now and our next show. Uh, so on New Year's Eve, we have the Ohio State Buckeyes against Clemson and then Washington at Alabama. Who do you think is going to the college football playoff final? Oof. Um, I, I'm going to go Buckeyes-Bama. Okay. I'm going to go Clemson and Alabama. I I, I think uh, I, Ohio State, I guess we'll see how big, uh, good the Big Ten really was because Ohio State was kind of fading towards the end there. And if, if the defenses in the Big Ten are really good, then I think Ohio State has a serious chance to win it all. But if it was a bit inflated and they were just kind of not that good offensively and just looking like they had good defenses because they're beating up on each other, then I think Ohio State has the potential to get uh, taken apart pretty easily by Clemson. Right. I mean, you saw Clemson just barely skating by a lot of these ACC teams and stuff. And, I mean, getting yeah. a big, quote-unquote, win against Louisville and things, I just, I don't know. They just had such a hard time. I think, you know, when you get that month off after beating a lot of really good teams in the Big Ten, I, I think they handled them a little bit. That's true. The The ACC sucks real badly, too. Yeah. So. Um, I'll just stick with Clemson for to make it interesting, but yeah, um, the Big Ten was definitely much better. But Ohio State didn't even win the Big Ten, so what the heck? Right, I think I might clearly take like Michigan or Wisconsin or even like Penn State. I'd probably pick over Clemson, but I'm feeling a little less sure about myself with it being Ohio State just because they've, I don't know, not super convincing through like the last few games of the year. Yeah, a lot of tough matchups with teams that aren't very good like Michigan State and Northwestern and the Badgers will play the day after um, the Packers Lions in the Cotton Bowl against they call it the Cotton Bowl Classic but I don't think there's much classic about this matchup the Badgers against Western Michigan and uh, that game will likely either be in progress or over by the time we talk to you again so um, who do you got in that one yeah I don't know too much about Western Michigan but I think that this Badgers defense they were exposed for you know maybe being allowed or might allow some deep throws but I don't know if uh, you know a Western Michigan a MAC team can really expose that you kind of picture the Wisconsin front seven pushing them around a bit so I think I'll pick Wisconsin and probably by a couple of touchdowns I think Western Michigan has a receiver who is either near the top of career yardage yeah, I don't have any idea what his name is, but you would think that they have the Badgers have enough in the secondary to kind of neutralize him, and then the rest probably don't have enough to take on the Badgers. So, provided that uh, Bart Houston doesn't uh, bart it up and and play really stupidly, <laughs> I think the Badgers should be okay. All right, so let's hope the Badgers win. Let's hope that the Packers are able to beat the Lions, and uh, maybe we'll get some. Uh, decent AFC playoff matchups in the first round, and we're it's it's always a bittersweet time for me uh, to have the regular season coming to an end because you lose a lot of the chaos and excitement of a of a Sunday. But um, there not aren't a lot of non playoff teams that I'm going to miss this year. 
Yeah, I agree. There's even I feel like there's too many non-playoff teams that are going to be in the six at each conference <laughs> that we're going to have to watch. So there's not really anybody. I feel a little bad for Baltimore. Yeah. But I, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, you look. I'm looking through all the teams right now, and I say they definitely don't deserve it. You definitely wish Tennessee would have made it instead of Houston, but whatever. They probably didn't deserve it either. Yeah, I think if the Redskins got left out, uh, obviously I wouldn't feel badly because it would likely be to the benefit of the Packers, but they've got a pretty explosive, exciting offense and, and seem to be on the rise. So uh, maybe I'll miss them a, a smidge, And uh, but other than them, no, not really anybody else. All right, so if you want to interact with the show, you can do so on the Facebook page. That is Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment. Start a, a conversation. We're always uh, looking for that, so you can do that there. Also, if you want to read any blogs we've written in the past or listen to the complete archives of the Green and Gold Forever Podcast, you can do so at our website, greengoldforever, that's the number four, dot podbean.com. Also, uh, download the iTunes podcasting app and follow Green and Gold Forever on there to get all the latest episodes, or uh, a better option, in my opinion, is to download the Podbean app, where you can get the complete archives of Green and Gold Forever right on your mobile device, and uh, follow us on there. So, hopefully, we'll be able to maybe hear a little Steve Winwood for the first time in a couple years next time we talk to you. Uh, Now, that's an incentive enough. Forget another championship run. You just want to hear Steve Winwood if you're the Packers, right? Damn right. All right. Damn right. I like that. Let's uh, let's end on that. And uh, go Packers. Uh, Merry Christmas. Belated to everyone. And have a very happy uh, and healthy 2017 ahead. And we'll talk to you in the new year. Take care, everyone.